0: Episode 274 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Itter and I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And we have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Alrighty. Oh, you made it Can all start the way through, Tim. Yeah, I know. Yeah, nice. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, There's a trick, to I'll tell you about later. Ah. So, wow. Well, I was going to sing the Sesame Street song. You know, it's the the 20, the, um, the 50th anniversary of Sesame Street. That should be right up your your guys' alleys. No? Yes? Were you, uh, were you around? Uh, well, I guess Jaime wasn't around 50 years ago. But Well,
1: you know, all I know is as soon as I, I started paying attention, it was there.
0: Yeah? Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> 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 right,
0: right. Okay. Yeah, I remember, I remember hearing about it at school and then, and then trying to tune in. We used to have to watch it on uh, on UHF on Channel 19, which is like the U- – uh, no, Channel 27, I guess, was the uh, American PBS channel, right, that carried it. Mm. Yeah, it was pretty fuzzy. I remember watching uh, – trying to watch it in really fuzzy black and white back in the day. Yeah, and then eventually, you know, our uh, – eventually, I think CBS came – uh, sorry, PBS came over to cable when we got cable TV and started watching it then. Yeah, so my dad was always into into the latest tech TV technology kind of stuff, right, so we got that early. Wouldn't
1: you have been kind of old for it, though, by the time uh- – no, it was 9. Came, came out. Oh. 9. Okay. Nine,
0: ten. Well, I don't know when cable came around, when we got cable was a different story, right? So. Yeah. Cause we had, um, I was living in Niagara Falls, Niagara Falls at the time when i heard about it. And, um, I think we got cable in Niagara Falls in, in like the, like around 1970 or so, 71, 72, somewhere in there. Yeah. And, uh, probably 71. And remember my dad had one of those boxes with the, with the, like the cable channel that had all these buttons across the top of it. And, um, used to like, it, it was a box that sat on the, the couch next to you and you just, you You'd pick You punch the, the channel you wanted. And it would change over to that channel. Huh. So, yeah. It was back in the early, early days. So you didn't have to get off the couch and go change the channel, right? But it had like a cable box. Whatever. Yep. Early days. Anyway, so uh, uh, we have some fact check. We have lots of fact check from last week. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So we were talking about the new Photoshop. um iPad that came out, and uh, Jaime mentioned that there was a new file format slash extension. And uh, so I had to go look that one up because I knew it was a, a PSD, which is a Photoshop document uh, file. But apparently the new extension is PSDC, and the C stands for cloud. So it's like, a, so it is. If you put a file up on on the Adobe Cloud and you open it on your iPad, it does open it, and of course you can work on it and put it back to Photoshop. It's Photoshop a Creative Cloud and and version, and it will it will open up the PSCD sorry PSDC file. And I'd mentioned that uh, I had been using Photoshop since um, 1.0. I remember getting, they'll have the disks here somewhere, floppy disks. And um, it came out in 1989. I think I mentioned it was 1990, or last episode, but it was 1989. I was also talking about, another fact check, was talking about Adobe Fresco. Um, I was was surprised that I got it for free, but, and I thought, I just assumed it was because I had the A a Creative Cloud subscription of some type. It turns out it's using the freemium model, so you can use it for free. Uh, but if you want to upgrade to the and I'm doing air quotes advanced or premium features, you have to pay uh, a bit more money. So uh, and this is in U.S. dollars, I believe. Uh, $13.49 a month is for a Fresco single app plan. And um, even if you sign up for that, you get six months for free. Uh, otherwise, if you are if you have a Photoshop single app plan at, at $20.99, that in that case you would get both Photoshop on the iPad and Fresco. And then $52.99 is what the whole enchilada costs for the Adobe Creative Cloud plan. That gives you all access to access to all the apps and um i i think the only the only few apps i really use from adobe these days are are um illustrator and photoshop uh, illustrators really really hurt runs on mojave doesn't run on catalina at all so i really have to sort of make a decision about when i'm going to upgrade huh. uh, is it yeah. is it
1: never going to run on, on no catalina no the version on?
0: i the version i have is, is oh I see, I, see, I see yeah yeah no no the mm. creative cloud version but i don't want to pay 52 52 99 a month i'm not right i'm not using it that much like i'm not a, this is my big problem with the whole adobe plan and i'm sure it is with a lot of people is that um because th- there are competitors who are like a one-time only purchase right um one of them is like affinity designer which is similar, pl- similar program and i have several Bezier on my macs and ipads that uh, that compete with with illustrator but uh, yeah so it's kind of i don't want to you know I, I, there's no single illustr, you can't just get a single copy of illustrator plan there's no sort of way to do that but anyway if you look at it 29.99 $20.99 for photoshop would be the same for illustrator you'd be up in the forty. 40- two dollar area you know so yeah it's kind how, of a pain
1: how much did these cost when they were standalone tools before the well cloud? see
0: this is the thing the funny thing about it, people complain a lot about the price of adobe software but i remember paying like i bought a, i bought a single copy of photoshop many years ago when we were when we started doing ios uh, ios because i had to get one for one of my one of my co-workers and at my company and i remember paying 875 dollars somewhere in that neighborhood for a single license of photoshop um, i always had the creative suites and i used to do the upgrade plan and so i would pay somewhere I think around $1,700 a year is what I would pay, you know, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily update every year. I might update every couple of years. So when the, when the subscription plan came first came out, a lot of, a lot of designer people were opposed to the whole idea of paying monthly. But when you did the math, you were paying the same amount of money as you would have back then. Right. Um, and so it's kind of, it's kind of a, um, an interesting argument because if you look at things like Final Cut Pro from Apple or Logic Pro, right? Final Cut Pro was somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,300 when you bought it, a single license for Mac. But when they switched over to the App Store, I think it went down to $300, like when they got the Mac App Store going. Oh. So I'm not sure what it is today, but I guess we could look it up. But, um, you know, uh, Apple realized that they couldn't really sort of charge, you know, distribution, charge distribution style pricing for it. Um, Mind you, I should. I think the. I think if you want to get the master collection, which for Adobe, going back to them for a minute, if you the master collection included every license, every site, every application they had, um, and that would so you, you had to, you had tiers. They had like a designer tier, they had a web developer tier, they had a film producer tier, and you, and those, that's what I was sort of in the, for the $1,700 or whatever. But I think $2,400 around there was, would get you the entire master suite, right? So, which was still steep, but you know, when, when you consider you got every single app on the planet, you know, that, that Adobe makes, you know, so like if we were using Adobe Premiere for video editing, I think like Tammy uses Audion to do her podcast editing, so she's she's on the Creative Cloud plan, right? So she pays the you know somewhere in the fifty two dollar range per month for that. So
1: yeah, I guess it depends. <coughs> if you're a pro user who's using a lot of the tools, it's it's a really good deal. If you're if you're only using one tool, it's not yeah. such a great deal.
0: Yeah. Well, and then and a lot of people who I know who are in the in the audio business, music or or, or movies, even use uh, pro tools which is i think the old avid to tu- avid suite studio uh, you know avid tools yeah i think they became pro tools and, and they're they're expensive but they don't have i don't think they have a like a click a, a sort of subscription price model so um but yeah because this big argument was whether people go logic pro or, or pro tools or they go final cut pro or adobe premiere you know kind of thing so yeah but i, I like yeah again like i was always i was my argument was if you're making money off this if this is your business then it's it's a tool you got to pay for right sure but it's it's, it's kind of hard. I think the, the race to the bottom also gets involved in, in designer and, and video editing apps because we have apps that do similar, have similar capabilities for way less money, you know. So uh, it's kind of hard to, to sort of justify um, in your mind, you know, if you think about it. what, what I, I have a friend of mine who's in, in my neighborhood. I was talking to him a couple of weeks ago and he was telling me that he switched over to the Affinity, like Affinity Photo and Affinity Designer and he was a Photoshop Illustrator guy before, right? So, tough to tough. I to argue with that. More on the follow-up stuff, um, uh, I mentioned the two founders of Adobe, um, John Warnock and Charles Geske, I guess they say his name. They were ex-Park employees, and they were the ones who created PostScript. I don't know if you remember the PostScript language. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the day they announced uh, the, the official ship day of, of uh, InDesign that we were at, at at Macworld, I think it was in Boston, um, that was when Charles Geske um, announced his retirement. Um, and it, Apple famously um, licensed PostScript for five years um, because steve jobs wanted to buy adobe um, but they wouldn't sell so they bought a large sh- um, bunch of shares and stuff and so they had a five-year license for postscript they started that in 1985 and that's what started and they put it in their laser writer printers and that's what started the whole desktop uh, publishing revolution right with uh, the mac and laser writer and PageMaker, which was a competing product as well but uh, yeah all through the miracle of postscript which is kind of how i got into coding because you know we had to go and fix Post. But, um uh, Postscript files a lot, too, because it would, it would often be <laughs> flaky back in the early days. Um, and last bit of follow-up here is we were talking about VMware Fusion with Jaime in the after show, and uh, I had mentioned it was around $50. It's actually a Photoshop, Adobe, VMware Fusion uh, 11.5 5 is $79 US, nine ninety nine and I don't think that includes a, a Windows license. There you go. That's our fact check. So, Jaime, do you have some uh, Ask MTJC?
2: Yeah, we've got one from a friend of the show, longtime supporter, Sean Marston, who asks, um, is anyone else getting this alert with every third-party app launch on iOS 13? Mm-hmm. That is, the Wi-Fi is turned off for a City Mapper. In this case, mm-hmm. is the name of the app. You can turn on Wi-Fi for this app in settings. I uh, I know I have seen that. I don't know that I've seen it that often because I don't run with Wi-Fi off mm. very often.
1: I have never seen this one. Yeah,
0: I, I, yeah. I think a lot of times. Um, yeah, I've never seen this one. But I know sometimes I turn off cellular to save you know save dollars on my my cell plan, my data plan. And I see an. And, um, and are similar to this, but I've never, I don't think I've seen this one and I don't know if I have city Mapper per se, but no, I, have, I haven't seen this one myself. So you you have seen this, Jaime, you think?
2: I definitely have seen it and I don't remember what the context was. I'm trying to figure out if it's a, it's an app I commonly use or not. No, none I of them are doing it now. I mean, for all I know, maybe it's a very specific bug on a particular version of iOS 13. Is this, yeah. is this anything new that we needed to be aware of? I mean, I'm making an analogy here to the Bluetooth changes, yeah. right? Where like every app that was trying to use Bluetooth for probably not the best reasons I'm going to yeah. be very <laughs> generous about. Um, I've seen a ton of those and I, don't, I think I've seen fewer of them now that I've decided to say yes or no, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know that this Wi-Fi one I saw more than a handful of times.
0: What's, what's misleading about this error is if you look behind it, the screen says, check if mobile data is turned on on your phone settings. So, so that's what I'm saying. I think if I have, if I'm out and, ab- out and about and I've got um, my mobile data turned off for a particular app, it, it often tells me it can't run because, you know, some network error, right? Um, um, and it's not always clear, as, like, as this one is saying that you're not using Wi-Fi or you, basically, I've gotten network errors, but, and then if I want to use the app, like Instagram or something like that, I'll, I'll have to go in and flip it on and then that seems to be fine. But I think this is, this particular screenshot is, is maybe a bit misleading. I don't know. Sean might have to let us know if, uh, if this is the case that, like, he had, um, cellular data turned off when he tried to launch this app. But, but yeah, I have seen this. I've seen a similar error, but not, not this particular one. Not, not complaining about Wi-Fi per se, right?
2: Yeah, I'm, un- I'm unclear. And again, I don't normally run with Wi-Fi off. I'm trying it now, and I'm not seeing it in any of the apps that I normally use.
0: Yeah, but I mean, uh, what I'm saying, if you're out in the street and you don't have a a Wi-Fi connection, right, you're you're using cellular at that point.
2: Yeah, but I would still have Wi-Fi enabled for the the the, device. I don't normally turn it off unless it's like, oh, it seems like the Wi-Fi connection is bad. Let me try disconnecting again. Yeah, Yeah, the messaging is weird.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's lots of complaints about, uh, was it uh, iOS 13.2 or something? 2.1? Or something recently, um, the one, you know, the one people were complaining about it shutting down their apps um, prematurely because it's got yeah three point thirteen one two is what I'm on. Um, yeah, we were talking about this at the, uh, in, the in our um, online chat thing at work about uh, people were saying that the apps are getting shut down, you know, without warning kind of thing. But I think that's a new feature in thirteen, right?
2: No, it was definitely uh, it was definitely a bug. Um, yeah. So 13.2.2 two thirteen two, two 13.2.2 is what I have, and it is a lot better. Like it doesn't randomly. Uh, kill apps in the background. And um, this is most noticeable for me when uh, I would use uh, like Overcast, for example, mm-hmm. and then, you know, um, control with my watch or maybe with my headphones and it pause, you know, maybe I need to talk to somebody or I need to listen to something, you know, somewhere else. And then I'd press the button to play again and it has killed Overcast. And the default behavior in this situation is to play the music app on something. I'm not even sure what it plays. Oh, it's not yeah, necessarily yeah. the most recent thing you played from what I figured. Figured out um, and so it was really it was really jarring, really irritating. Really glad that they're no longer killing um, apps in the background uh, haphazardly. I guess it didn't seem like it was you know super reproducible in terms of like aha, if I put this app in the background, it's dead. It, it would just seemed like like the low memory warning or whatever it was that was supposed to be there was like a little too aggressive in trying to clear things up.
0: Yeah, I I, I know I've had that situation where if I haven't been listening to something for a while and I flip and click the I still use earbuds, but if I, so if I click the the volume starts off volume button or whatever on the the um or the middle button on the control it would it would start playing the music app like you said instead of i would be expecting overcast but that's because i hadn't been using anything for a while but yeah i, I guess it's weird i was going to ask you like how you knew an app had been shut down in the background because usually when you go back into apps there like you mean like they wouldn't even be there if you went to swipe up on your phone like it would be gone or like doesn't it sort of keep a state of them
2: and no like you would and this is where like podcasts and, and overcast was like the most obvious one because because yeah. it, it would not have access to the audio that you were playing maybe 10 seconds ago. It was not very long. Um, and you would sort of notice it in things like, you know, Twitter would reload itself or uh, Safari. If you had, you know, a couple different tabs open, it might reload itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's most jarring when you have something that's supposed to be playing an audio file and it just stops, even though all you've done is pause it. Cool.
0: Yeah. The right. so last summer I bought a Roku at the, a garage sale, but I forgot. To ask the guy for the remote, so I have no remote for my Roku. But so, what, do you have any news for me on that front, there, Jaime?
2: Yeah. So, uh, Roku now has a uh, an app for your Apple Watch, and this is vaguely follow up to uh, some of the discussion I think we had on the show about um, you know my my role as a as a Roku user, and you know is it even still a valid choice nowadays? Well, if you've got one like I do, you can install this app, and uh, it works pretty well. So you have sort of the main controls you would want: the back button, the directional arrows, and the main selection button. The home button. Um, the nice thing is that it also has. Uh, you might be able to notice in the uh, the photo. And we'll have this link in the show notes for those of you driving home. That there's a couple different uh, views that you can have, and one of the views is the list of most recently used uh, channels that you've been using. So mm. uh, it, it's okay to use the on-screen directional pad, but I wouldn't recommend it. Sort of like in general, it's it's way better to just say, "Oh, cool, I'm going to go to Amazon Video," or "Oh, uh, you know, CBS All Access," or Netflix. Or something, and then navigate your way there. So it's pretty handy if you've lost the remote, like in your your particular situation where you didn't even have it, mm-hmm. or uh, if you're you know on the couch and you're like, oh man, I really don't want to go, you know, across the room to go get this thing. It's it's you know, it's winter season; it's getting cold. and snug as a bug here on the couch. Yeah, I'll just I've got my watch on. Let me just use this instead.
0: Yeah, but it's funny about this this Roku thing because I think I told you I bought a new TV for my mom and, and it had Roku built in. Right? It wasn't like I ch- had a choice. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I, I do have the Roku app on my phone. I've just never tried it with this this Roku that I got from the speed sale. Right? Um, yeah, interesting, cool stuff. But yeah, being able to control it with your watch is kind of funny.
1: So, is it a standalone Apple Watch app? I'm
0: curious. I cause. think so because
2: I don't. It, it's it's hard for me to tell, uh, and I didn't mm. look too closely because I do have the Roku app on my phone, mm-hmm. so I haven't looked to see in the. I guess I could take a look in the watch. And i never actually looked at the watch uh, app store.
0: It says there is now a free app available for the Apple Watch in the in the article. So works much like the iPhone or Android
2: apps. Yeah. So I, this sounds like it's a standalone app, Mark. Is there an easy to... way to tell that other than looking at the App Store within the Watch? I don't
0: know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never actually tried the, the App Store on the Watch. But uh, yeah, it says the new Roku app for Apple Watch can be installed today from an updated iPhone app, uh, version six one three. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> Is it, it searching say, on my watch? It doesn't say explicitly that it's a standalone app. I just check my Roku here on my phone. Hmm. Well, the Jeopardy music sounds plays. like
1: it's not standalone. On if you can install it from the from their updated iPhone,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I gotta, I gotta I have to have a device plugged in, which I don't have one right, right now. So,
2: you know, it's funny. I'm not exactly sure what I installed because there is a remote eleven remote for Roku that's in the Watch App Store that I do not have, and the screenshots look different.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Well, we'll have to we'll have to have some follow up for fact check for next week, can I? May.
2: Yeah, I'm not entirely <laughs> certain. And I, thinking back to WWDC, I'm not entirely certain how you know if a, other than oh it doesn't appear in the normal app store on my phone sort of thing. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, this next, next follow-up here is uh, sort of, we, you know, I gave her a high, really highly praised review of uh, um, Photoshop for the iPad last week. You know, I still, I'm still in love with it. I think it's, I still think it's a great idea. Um, but, yeah, my, my headline here is I called it Designers Are Fussy um, because there was nothing but bad reviews on online about this uh, the launch of this app. I think people misunderstood or, or perhaps Adobe's marketing wasn't quite on point when they said that uh, this was a, re- in quotes, real Photoshop. People were expecting a full Photoshop. Again, I don't know how, well, how you would expect to get an entire suite like Photoshop into the version 1.0 of uh, Photoshop for the iPad. In fact, you know, they give it a different name for a reason, I think, too, right? Um, but, and as we speculated last week in the article, it does say that, or the... Uh, the um Scott Belsky um, acknowledged that, that it, they basically did refactor, as you guys were, were surmising, uh, the the code. Like they they went back into the code and they, they they converted it over for for Photoshop for the iPad. And they were doing an MVP; they were doing a minimal viable product to get it out the door. And he said, if you know, if they had made it perfect, they would never ship. So um, this is, and again, I think I mentioned last week that there are some paradigms in the way you use this app on the iPad that are unique to the iPad experience. Like there's like gesture. Recognizers and and commands that are they're unique to using an iPad that don't exist in in uh, can't exist in, the, in the, on the Mac as well, right? So yeah, so they, uh, there was lots of um, you know disappointing, bad for colorists. Uh, somebody just said rant Photoshop for iPad sucks, and um, so I'm you know a little surprised that uh, I'm I'm not surprised that people would say that, but uh, I'm surprised that people would take such a negative point of view of it um, because I'm still delighted with with uh, the tool set that they have delivered, right? So yep. You know, but uh, like I said, you change change somebody's ex- experience, and uh, they tend to tend to freak out about it. And this other, uh, this next tweet here is it was a tweet that started a, a, a bit of a storm too. Um, this is from the developer of Ruby on Rails, and uh, Steve Wozniak's also piled into this one too. And this is about the Apple Card, and this is a link I've got here from in the show notes from the Loop. D H A D H H is what's the name? Anyway, he's a developer of um, Ruby on Rails, and he was mentioning that his wife and himself. Filed joint tax returns. Uh, you know they they have been married for a long time. They have you know very similar incomes. I think she actually makes more money than he does. He was saying, and yet Apple gave him twenty times more credit. or Apple slash Goldman Sachs gave him twenty times more credit on his Apple Card than she got. And uh, Steve Wozniak later um, also uh, jumped in and said the same thing happened to him and his wife. Um, it was kind of interesting thing, and it, it kind of follows up on what you guys were saying before, when we first started looking at the Apple Card. Was I believe you guys thought that you maybe didn't get quite the credit rating you deserved on your cards.
2: It was weird. It's like 17.99% or something absurd. Yeah. Like, yeah. like my credit score is really good. I've got, you know, cash on hand, liquid assets, <laughs> you know, like I'm not sure exactly what they have access to to look at for for this beyond credit score, especially in the in the age of, you know, aggregating from different resources. Um mm-hmm. but I certainly didn't see anything like this where, you know, ostensibly your your household income is the same whether you're uh you know dhh or his wife and yet you know he had like a 20 times higher credit limit which doesn't make a lot of sense to me
0: yeah yeah i think well and so of course the the part i missed out of the lead here or the part i'm burying in the lead was that that he's claiming it's a gender bias and um of course goldman sachs is uh uh, andrew williams uh goldman sachs uh, representative spokesperson said that uh, they don't use they don't factor gender into their uh into their accounting or their their valuations and 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 they say that each account is looked at individually, um, and uh, you know each. I guess they're saying that each person has a credit history. And and I don't, I don't know if you guys uh, how you say your uh, and your your credit is good because I've, I've looked at a few credit score um, sites myself. And there's a new service here in Canada started about a year and a half ago. And I recently dropped it because there was an investigation by our Canadian Broadcasting Corporation uh, show called Marketplace, where they investigate this kind of stuff. And they found that the people who do these online credit rating Things are not. They say in their in their fine print, this is just for entertainment purposes only. They're not really credit people, and blah 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 blah. So they, I don't know that they actually have the same calculus that the banks would use when they're when they're creating a credit rating for you. They do have access to the same well, kind of
1: level of detail. For, so, you know, if you get it from Equifax or one of the three, there are three you know, in the U.S. at least. Places, there, yeah, are th- yeah. there are three credit bureaus. I guess they call them Equifax, mm-hmm. and I don't remember the other two, the names of the two. If you get it directly from there, and there are places service. That will give you the actual score from there, or your bank might, or something like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, so I know mine is really good, but yet I still got that very high, what I consider very high interest rate on right, my, card. Right. my my credit limit was on the on the card was reasonable, I guess. I mean, it was um, you know about what I'd expect for a credit card, I suppose.
0: Mm-hmm. Did they give you like an upper spending limit kind of thing as well? Or
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so so the limit is like twenty k. Okay, you
0: know? okay. Yeah, that's so, pretty high. So I so. thought that was
1: pretty high. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's not ridiculous, for... but it's you know, it's brand new card, so you
0: know who knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not planning on buying a Tesla with it, are you? No,
1: no. <laughs> well, let's see. Two percent back if they take Apple Pay. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's
0: true. <laughs> and and you're saving on gas too. Let's not forget that. Right. right. So. But by the way, you can't
1: you can't buy a Tesla for 20k.
0: <laughs> no, I know. I that's what I mean, like 20k is not going to do it for you. Is what I, where I was going with that. Right.
1: Right. So. Right,
0: right. Yeah, but I'm, I think you know when I when I was running my business in early early, early days, running working on Max, selling Max and stuff like that. I had to work pretty hard to get like a twenty five thousand dollars credit limit. You know? Yeah. Um, you know they had to have some securities and had to sign some papers and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, like normally when you start a credit card, they, they give you like five thousand dollars limit or something like that, right? So um, and you and you earn it by. You, I find you earn more more uh, room on your credit card by not paying the bill off every month. I don't know. I mean, I think you, you said you, you cover your bills every month, and and uh, do you find that they offer you more credit over time on, on normal credit cards?
2: Oh no. No, you're you're right. Like it would be better to try to spread things out a little bit and pay a little bit of, of interest because yeah. I, I treat it like a charge card where, you know, whatever I've used up, I pay it all back down every month, I every month it right. hit zero. So right. that's how I talked to myself and say, all right, even though I'm offended by this 17.99% APR, it really isn't meaningful to me because yeah. I'll just pay it off anyway. Exactly. So it's I'm, zero. I'm exactly percent. the same way.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. huh. interesting. Yeah. So we'll have to, have to keep an eye on this story. There, there was a couple of other um, articles that I read in, in the Star, I'm not going to go and find, trying to find a link for that today, but they had mentioned in, this, in the same, they covered the same story from, like these all come from the same sources. Um, and uh, they were saying that, uh, they, they brought back the analogy about the, uh, remember the hiring thing, I think it was Amazon was doing, they were using AI to to uh, screen uh, resumes. And they found that there was a large percentage of males were getting through the filters and females weren't because the, the AI or something in the AI had made an assumption that in most, ma- most developers Helpers are male remember that story we talked about
2: it, that it's today. it's similar so they were they were trying it out to see what it would do and if they could find good candidates and the the problem is when you look at some of the diversity issues that Amazon and, and many other tech companies have it's kind of not surprising that eventually the AI said oh well I'm getting reinforced in the idea that um, men do so much better and therefore are much more likely than women to succeed at Amazon uh, not anything about the reasons why that's happening right but just like yeah is how it's done, and then so it, the the AI just like practically started hating women. Is like no, women can't. Or any mention no, women like, too. Apparently that was the story. but You like, know, what,
1: with with that case, and and actually maybe even in this particular case, uh, it's very possible that none of the data that they used to for these for these models actually said male versus female. Because remember mm-hmm. how these machine learning models work is they learn features that are just completely unrecognizable to a human. You know, it's right. it's you know you look at like an image classifier the the features that they recognize in the images are just random splattering of pixels, and 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 it, it doesn't look like anything to a human, but yet it makes sense in the data. So it's certainly possible that even if the the credit histories or or the resumes in that case never explicitly said male or female or never had a, a name that there, nothing that would obviously identify someone as male or female, it's possible though that there are certain combinations of of um, parameters, whatever you want to call. Them, of or items that are on these things that to a machine learning model it picks out as as uh, uh, things that that it that it's basing its decisions on and those also have to be correlated to males and, and females and mm-hmm. as as we know you know correlation is not causality it's not caused by the fact that it's a male or a female but right, there may right. be things that are correlated to the pattern
0: the pattern does yeah yeah yeah, yeah
1: there are may things there may be things that you know males uh, uh, you know, have properties that males have, and there are other properties that males have that are that that just so happen to align with not having as good a credit history or whatever. You know, and and it's like I said, it's not causal; it's not caused by that fact. But but it may there may be uh, statistically statistical connections, and and the models are picking those out somehow without even having any intentional bias. And it's possible that the model has a bias built into it that was not intentionally put in at all.
3: Mm-hmm. But
1: mm-hmm. but maybe there is a bias in there and so they just have to fix the model
3: yeah
0: I, and that's what i was saying about dragging machine learning or ai into this into the story is that um you know there what we see as a as a as a relationship like you know again don't forget human beings we like to put things into boxes and categorize things that's just how our, our little brains work but um machine learning or computers are do, doing this kind of stuff are not like humans they don't need to categorize this in the same sort of ways but um it is possible as you know using the future is scary kind of metaphor that, that that, um decisions could be made for, for un- unlikely reasons. I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, like you know, if you tend to if you t- tend to like foosball and, and you, you shop in particular stores, you know, that might you know make the model think that you're of a better credit risk than someone who shops at, you know, Babies are Us or and places like that. Right,
1: you know, or, yeah.
0: yeah. And it has nothing to do with whether you're a male or female doing the shopping. It's, it's just the, what you're buying and where you're buying it, it from. Ex- exactly, right.
1: yeah, because the, the computer makes connections just based on the data that that may or may not be real i mean i guess they're, they're in some sense they're real but they may not be real for the reason that we think they're that that they have that they're, that we think the reason is right right
0: and and you know the thing i think we mentioned this before that you're fooling yourself if you don't think the credit card companies are keeping track of what you're buying and when you're buying it Oh, and, of course they are of course they you know, are that's how they they can send you uh if if you're of the female persuasion and you know you start shopping in particular things they may congratulate you on your new pregnancy because of the, your your spending pattern you know Right, recently, sort of thing. Um, (laughs) Before you even know you're pregnant, kind of thing. I've heard stories like that too. But yeah, I I think that. But I think the lesson here is that you know that, and maybe as developers, we should be aware of this: is that you can't just rely on on the magic that is you know what's seemingly magic of of machine learning and you know pattern recognition as being de facto truth, right? Right. Now,
1: and yeah, you know, I, I don't know in this particular case of the of the credit card, but we have a really really limited Amount of data mm-hmm. uh, and the two data points that we have, and actually maybe there's more, but I but I only see the two. I see this DHH guy who was the inventor of Ruby on Rails, Ruby apparently, on Rails, yeah. and we have yep. Steve Wozniak, who is who's Steve Wozniak. So yeah. it's quite possible that the model picked out people who are famous in the tech world um, or driving segways, inventing yeah. these you know things that made bazillions of dollars, and therefore they got a higher credit rating mm. and and maybe maybe their wives, and, and I again I don't know I'm just surmising maybe their wives just got the normal one that everybody else gets but but, but these two guys got the super bonus 20x one because of who they in particular are
2: mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's hard to
1: draw conclusions from just these two data points
0: yeah and again is, is, it, is it who or, or what you would think it would be what they're what they're they're spending on I mean like this is that big data stuff that you know all the banks and credit unions have that we don't have we're not privy to right um, they, they they have much much larger uh, things to, to consider right they have more more information to work with right like spending histories over 20 years and that kind of stuff right
1: right or yeah, yeah I mean it might it, it might not even be that complicated it might just be the system said oh that's Steve Wozniak let's give him a much much higher credit rating than everybody else
0: yeah yeah
1: this is the whole <laughs> this is the whole
0: WWC isn't really a lottery argument is that where this comes from <laughs> you know
1: well you had just... uh, no I mean I mean you think they don't take into account that he's Steve Wozniak
0: well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, is that is that the is that the conspiracy we're going with, you know, sort of thing? I don't know. Hard to say. Like you said, we don't really know from, because we don't have a, we don't have access
1: to the... And all we know the, is two yeah. very high-profile people made this point. That's all we know. Yeah. yeah I mean, unless I so. unless there's data that's saying this is happening all over the place, I, but I haven't heard that. Yeah,
0: yeah, hard to say. Well, the world has changed quite a bit in mm-hmm. know, the last little while. You know, people would get perks, and we wouldn't even know about it. But then now that we have Twitter, we can hear about it. All right. Um. Yeah, next story here is uh, has to do with Disney Plus, which launched uh, this week, actually yesterday, I think. No, Monday? Was it Monday? Help me out. Yesterday, Tuesday, right?
2: I feel like it was last night around midnight. No, it was midnight
0: on Monday. So, yeah. And and it was like, yeah. And people were starting... People were complaining about the the bumps, uh, you know, like... And, of course, you know... I don't know. Surprises actually makes news that that um, there were technical hurdles getting getting it up and running, especially here in Canada. I'd heard that you know there were some some people were getting it and they were they were getting errors saying you're you're not in a region that's enabled to use the service and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, this is this link I've got here is from uh, Kitchener, uh, which is a large city near near Toronto. Um, it's at Kitchener's water, where Waterloo is, right? Kitchener Waterloo, they're sort of um, joined at the hip. Um, of course, the article's not loading on my computer right now, but anyway, um, yeah. So so people were, people were having some hiccups and stuff like that. By the time I got onto Disney, we we got into a family plan, um, and uh, yeah, so I started watching um, the what's it called the uh, Mandalorian last night. Amazing show, by the way. Uh, just one episode, blown away. It's probably better the best Star Wars uh, show I've seen in a long, long time. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, and it's pretty pretty interesting uh, sort of service. But yeah, by the time I got on, it was pretty pretty smooth. And I, I was actually surprised because I had uh, downloaded, I loaded. A it up on my Apple TV, and then when I went to use it on, it said if you have a, a on your mobile device, and I had downloaded the app earlier in the day on the mobile device, um, it just automatically picked up the account information and transferred it over. Which is, you know, again, is like uh, when when something when a handoff like that happens really smoothly, it's uh, it seems like magic, right? So, which is what you expect from Disney, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, have you guys even heard anything about uh, Disney Plus in your way your areas or talked to anybody about, about it pickup wise or whatever?
2: Hadn't heard. <laughs> (laughs) Anybody with hiccups, but it did seem like people were pretty pleased with uh, the Mandalorian. um, (laughs) Displeased with the uh, sixteen by nine choice for the Simpsons episodes for the early ones that were four by three, and they would cut off. Uh, crop off some of the visual jokes visual gags that are at the edge
0: yeah the Um, one joke i saw was the duff beer one did you see that one
2: right right that's that's the the one i'm I'm thinking of but
0: yeah there's like the the three vats of duff duff light duff regular duff and then some other duff and the part because of the cropping it cut off the fact that you could see that they were all being fed from the same tube (laughs) right (laughs) yeah
2: i mean it it seemed like it was largely good from the people that i know uh mark Mm -hmm. did you have uh things that you heard
1: I have not heard
2: anything I don't know what ended up happening with this launch I mean apparently they the the word on the street is that they had something like 10 million subscribers which you know this is kind of a, an interesting thing because they'd had a lot of people all right there mm-hmm. lining up you know right at midnight or whatever time it was uh, in the local time uh, and there's a lot of people trying to sign up and stream right then and on the one hand it's like well Disney owns um, bam Tech which powers the uh, major League baseball live streaming and was the technology that was used to um, basically save HBO Go, HBO Now when their internal team efforts failed and the technology Mm -hmm. got replaced by that. So you would think that Disney would have a pretty good sense of um, how to make this stuff scale. So it's unclear to me if it was, you know, uh, it could be login related is one thing that comes to mind and and session management is not something that they've had to deal with Um, in that sort of peak of, you know, tens of millions of people coming in at once, thundering herd problem. Uh, Or if if you're the more um you know, conspiracy theorist minded uh, people were saying, I'm uh, like, well, you know, it's not too bad to have a little bit of like, Oh no, like it was so popular that Disney couldn't even keep up with the demand as a story. And then, you know, the engineers, the next day go in, sip their cup of coffee, double click the thing that says, you know, add 10 times more capacity. And then they're done. The capacity right. they knew that they were going to need, but decided not to have for this one night. Well,
0: yeah, you, 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 they always say you don't plan for the, the peaks. you plan for the, you know, the, the median. Right. Um, but it, the, the quote here, the day is that uh, the consumer demand for Disney plus has exceeded our high expectations from spokesperson Peter Pitino, Um yeah we're pleased with this incredible response and we are working quickly to resolve uh, the current user issue like I said by the time I got home at like six o'clock at night it was it was fine though so. it's interesting to see all the titles that are on the, on the screens like you know like I think the the um, you know Disney Pixar Marvel Star Wars and National Geographic are like right off the top and so I was scrolling through you know how you, you have the menu that shows you the top you know featured things and the trending things and things like that right i mean trending on day one which is amazing um but i was looking at the the titles and you know scrolling through pages and pages and pages of of content thinking you know i picked out maybe five or six movies that i'd never seen before so i just watched the black hole just before we started um the show today um i, I just it's just never got around to watching that when it was back in the day you know it was always in the remainders bin at video stores and stuff like that but uh, yeah i just happened to watch it um yeah, I mean, and I watched a little bit of New Hope after The Mandalorian, and, you know, it's just, it was interesting just to watch Star Wars in super, super duper high-res, you know, 4K, ultra HD, you know, quality, um, considering the movie was made in, like, 1979, but uh, I, I think that you posted something about the fact that, that um, they can't leave well enough alone, which is my favorite story on, on Star, Star, Star Wars in general, right? The fact that they changed the shoot, shootout scene with Greedo and Han Solo again.
2: So, to be clear, it wasn't they... Apparently- Apparently, this was uh, George Lucas mm-hmm. who did this um, like seven years ago, like before oh, really? he sold oh. to to Disney. So he he added in the weird McClunky edit that it, as it's being called, where yeah. Greedo makes that word that's not translated at all in the subtitles. Um, yeah, it, I don't I don't get why Lucas was doing that. Like, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Like okay, like we can argue about uh, Greedo or Han shooting first. Like I get it. Like from that perspective. I don't understand why he felt like you know what I really think he needs to say McClunky here, <laughs> which has been bothering me. And finally, in uh, 20, uh, 2012, we have the technology that the way I truly intended Star Wars to be, mm-hmm. you know, to be realized. I don't get it, and I think it gets to the uh, artist's tinkering thing that you've talked about on the show before many
0: times. Yes.
1: Well, well, he didn't. Didn't he uh, first try to make it so that Han didn't shoot first?
0: Yeah, he made Guido. Yeah, so in, in, the, in the, uh, the after. Laser disc. Right. right when you went to video, so, so this,
1: like- so this would. Allow him to restore it back to okay. Han did shoot first, but he yeah. was justified because of what the other guy said.
2: Mal- Malenki, yeah, it, well, it's still the uh, right because I I, I I think, actually read I about think this. Greedo shoots first. I have to look frame by frame. It's almost simultaneous in the um, yeah in in, the, la- in the, the
0: latest later edit. There's you see a like uh, like Guido missed right, but but I'm thinking like I go back to the 1977 version where Han Solo was so badass that he shot the guy under the table. You know that you know in fact. They did. That. I think they did it again in Blade Runner, too, right? Um, a few years later, but yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the the reworked version had, you know, yeah, then they released it so the Greedo shot first and and, Han, and missed Aunt Han, and, and then they changed the timing of it. But yeah, I don't know. Being a purist, I think the, the 1977 version was so so much more badass, right? Yeah. They wanted to make him seem nice, I guess, you know,
2: so he could sell more toys or something. It's weird because it seems like as Lucas, and, and this is gone off into the more than just code part, um, it, it's really weird because it seems like as Lucas got got older, he completely misunderstood what his own story was even about or, or what his characters were about. Yeah.
0: He's making America great again. Um, all right, let's move on to the main show, main part of the show here. And, uh, I had posted this article last week or a couple of days ago, just before we, we were convening today that the much rumored Mac 16, 16 inch MacBook pro, uh, was going to be revealed in, in private press briefings. Um, this is an article from the 11th of, um, which is Monday. Um, and yeah, so today on Wednesday, as we record, November thirteenth, the uh, MacBook Pro 16-inch appeared on the stores. So, have you guys had a chance to look at anything about
1: these or hear anything about them yet? I looked at the price; not cheap, not, <laughs> not cheap. It, but
2: Mark, Mark, but Mark, remember, you're effectively getting you know like a few hundred bucks you're off. Three percent 3% 3% discount. What yeah. are you complaining about? Yeah. 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 Let's see, three percent off that. five
1: thousand bucks is what? Let's see, ten percent would be five hundred bucks. So, three percent would be about maybe hundred. Roughly one hundred and seventy-five bucks, roughly.
0: Wait, so you're you're talking about cranking it all the way up to like the full full shooting deal, like the the I mean, six thousand
2: ninety-nine? Is, I think if you crank it up. Well,
1: not even the full one. I mean,
0: just sort of the roughly average price was around five thousand, wasn't
2: it? It depends what you did. Like they've, uh, well, here, let me just click the buy. Yeah, let me do that. Yeah, so I, it starts I actually, actually it did starts this
0: in3.99 Canadian, right? So or no, Canadian, really? T- sorry, American twenty-three ninety-nine. Oh, okay. American. 20, yeah, yeah. I'm looking. Well,
1: okay, so, but you'd want the high end one, so twenty-eight
0: hundred. But the minimum storage is minimum configuration is 16 gig and 512 right 16 gig memory and 512 storage yeah so they bumped
2: up the storage so that 512 is your your baseline that's not too shabby right it's not too shabby um looks like the 2800 model the higher end model starts at one terabyte so that's pretty good i think for my case i said well if i wanted to drive this into the ground as i'm doing with my current 2012 era macbook pro 64 gigs that's another oops i clicked it wrong well i I need 8
0: terabytes of storage for sure and I need uh, sixteen gigs, uh, sixty four gigs of RAM. So I'm at So, 50 so
2: I'm at thirty five ninety nine so far. I'm at fifty seven ninety nine. But if you I know, might as well get the
0: better processor too, the i nine, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean yep. sure,
2: for two hundred yep. bucks more, it'd be silly to get the middle popcorn. Exactly. And well, six, sixteen
1: rate. gigs of RAM is actually not that much these days.
2: No, I think
1: oh. you want thirty two, if not sixty four. If you're if you're in Photoshop, yeah. you want sixty four. But uh, yeah, you know, most of us can get by oh. with thirty two.
0: So I'm at six thousand ninety nine dollars. If if I put in the faster processor, sixty four gigs, uh the, the faster the more um, you gotta, you gotta um, get the and, faster
1: graphics card too.
0: Yeah, the faster graphic card and, yeah. and eight gigs of storage, right? And I might as well throw uh Final Cut Pro, which oh, by the way is two ninety nine, I remember I, just for our fact check. Two ninety nine for for Final Cut Pro, and then I might as well put Logic Pro in there so I can mix the podcast. Yeah, so I'm at sixty five ninety eight now. Yeah. So, okay, minus three
1: percent. I don't get the three percent. If, if you can account, find a friend who has a, a a an Apple card, dude. In the U.S.
0: Yeah, yeah, but of course I need another power supply, right? Yep. And then of course I need the AirPods Pro, you know, um, buds because you know I can't listen to you know, eight gigabytes. I can't listen to the fan blowing all the time. I have to have the noise cancellation, right? Though. So.
1: Yeah. Okay. It's actually not as not as expensive as I initially thought, but right. but it's still not cheap. There's no
0: thousand dollar dongle for it, though. True. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna switch over to Canada and see how much this is in Canadian dollars because I'm sure there's a bump in exchange rate as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it starts at thirty four ninety nine Canadian for the, the high end model. That's Let's go, this is this, this is that. Uh, I'm at $7,200 Canadian for the, just for the hardware. Oh, sorry, I forgot to update the, um, the processor as well. So 70, yeah, roughly $7,500 in Canadian, Canadian oh. dollars. $7,459. I'm going to take up my favorite app, Peacal, $7,459. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the conversion into American dollars so you guys can see how much more we pay in Canada for the same piece of equipment. All right. so clear this. 70. By the way, PeakOut folks, if you're looking to do quick uh, conversions from Canadian to American or Fahrenheit to Celsius, is awesome app, so yeah. 7459 at today's exchange rate is 5625 for the full configuration. That's not bad, that's cheaper than the American one, right? Are you sure you 86? maxed
2: it out? That doesn't make sense, so
0: yeah. I've got, the, I've got the, the i9, uh, 24 2.4 gigahertz. I've got 64 gigs of RAM, I got eight gigs of memory for the graphics, I've got an eight terabyte storage drive, and and yeah, 7459 converts to 562594. How much is it for you guys? For, maxed out, Sure. We either take pity on us because we don't Six, have the 3%.
1: 6099
0: That's $400 difference? That doesn't make sense. You're right. They, sense. they
1: heard you complaining about all this uh, Canadian uh, tax or whatever it is. Hmm. What do you know?
0: Yeah. I feel better already. Yeah.
3: <laughs> how, how many do you want to buy?
0: <laughs> now how much would you pay?
2: Right. I was waiting for somebody to say <laughs> Um, uh-huh. And and some other things that are kind of nice about this, but it has me. I mean, I'm probably not going to get it on day one. Like, just to be clear, because of a couple of reasons. One, I still want them to pull it out of like a sandbox, like a yeah. literal child sandbox, so that it still works. And and supposedly it does. It has
0: a a half right?
2: set. That's different keys on it now. Different keys. So instead of the the butterfly one that has been much maligned for for years, it is a scissor switch style key, which apparently makes it a little bit less likely to have uh, you know a single green of sand mm-hmm. you know, destroy the, the the ability to use the key mm-hmm. um there's a little bit more travel so or actually it's, i guess quite a bit considering the level we're talking about so instead of half a millimeter it's a full meter meter of travel and uh apple has also said that oh by the way we it's also easier for us to replace and repair individual keys instead of oh one key went bad guess what replace the whole keyboard and basically the whole lower half of the unit um that's nice they've also uh, returned to the t-shaped arrow keys the much more usable if less visually appealing arrow keys so that's nice that's a good usability update they also have shortened the touch bar and why would they do that well because the escape key has returned so oh really yeah this is definitely the the developer's laptop right this is a definitely a pro one. like nobody really uses the escape key except developers right like i'm sure there are people yeah get out of you know full screen mode and stuff, I that like, nobody really uses view. it and, and wears it out the way that developers do.
0: Really? I, I, you know how often I use my escape view? Not very often at all. Um, I just want to point out too, so I'm looking at the tech specs, I, and I found the 15-inch tech specs from before. Um, it's basically uh, where is it 14, 14.09 inches wide, whereas the 15-inch laptop was, a discontinued one, uh, 13.75. So it's a quarter of an inch
2: wider. Yeah, people were saying that it is bigger than the 2015 that it replaces but is roughly the same size as the older 2015 like the uh sorry the the older 15 inch the 2015
0: model oh the one with the wider bezel yeah yeah yeah
2: and yeah they've shaved the bezels off people are already complaining about sort of the weirdness when you see the the squared um edge and then the, like the really squirkly type curve on the bezel i want to see it in person i don't know if that's going to really bother me um i mean i just want, just want to get stuff done so yeah and this this laptop that I I'm, I'm recording this very show on is absolutely giving up the ghost you know it's 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 seeing the light
0: is that a 15 year on right now
2: it is a 2012 the first retina macbook pro wow that's even older so, than mine i've got a 2013 yeah yeah and I, I haven't truly needed it because i'm like ah you know i do a lot of stuff new work stuff and i want to tinker with stuff ah, it's arguably work stuff um but this has just gotten you know so much you know use and now uh, one of the A ports died because so i have to switch where my microphone comes from for this very show so it's you know it's time it's it's gonna go live in a farm upstate pretty
0: soon with <laughs> <laughs> your mom yeah for sure
2: Okay, so we have an article by uh, Alexander Grebenyuk about the Swift UI layout system, and I think it's really kind of a neat one to look at and, and read and, and try to understand based on the diagrams and screenshots that he's made. Where he talks about how Swift UI's layout system works, especially when compared to Auto Layout, and it works quite differently. And he points that out, right? That Auto Layout you more or less have a relationship between anything you wanted, whereas Swift UI works kind of more like the old frame-based layout right? Like even just this three-step process of like, cool. Uh, step one, the parent proposes a size for the child. Step two, the child says, I'm going to choose my size. And then step three, the parent places the child in the parent's coordinate space. And generally with sensible defaults, like centering rather than I think upper left that the old frame layout used to do. And there's other sort of nice things that work too great. Right? Like I, I know that images, image views were always kind of a pain to work with um, in any sophisticated way in auto layout, or at least I found it kind of painful where you sort of weird things would happen if you had a constraint set incorrectly. Whereas in this case, it's like, well, if I don't explicitly tell the layout system that I want this to be resizable, I can make the frame anything a darn well, please. The actual size of the image is what will be respected. And so that's a little bit easier to sort of grok through what's going on. And then he also talks about the, um, the stacks, right? The H stack, V stack, and Z stack for horizontal, vertical, and 3D back to front for lack of a better word. Stacking and sort of how that system works. I think they sort of take the concept of what UI Stack View did, but makes it even easier to understand because you don't have the sort of same paradigm that auto layout has and, and arguably some of the the baggage that auto layout had as it went from like IOS what, six onwards? Um, and also kind of towards the tail end, he talks about how uh, it's not layout specific per se, but the Swift UI can take a peek at the environment variables such as size categories. You can say, cool, um, are we in the large size category? Give it 20 huh. points of padding versus you know, 10 points, mm. which I think is a little bit easier in some respects. But I honestly don't know without having tried this in any sort of major realistic project as to whether that's better or worse than the way size classes used to work. Like, make, Like maybe it works really well for like tutorial stuff. And then when you're in an actual team, maybe it's an absolute nightmare. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm playing playing around with uh, auto or sorry with the UI quite a bit, and it it does. There are some things that are a bit odd, um, some weird things to learn. Like I still haven't figured out how to get an image to fill the entire screen. Like it, it wants to use safe area, so you get you know the the chin and the head bump at the top. Um, I haven't quite figured out how to sort out how to get that, but you know I think looking at this might make it um, more understandable. I think in in the past, oh, there's tabs here. Look at this. Uh, in the in the past, you would um, you know you'd get the size of the window and then you. Would you would basically scale your image to fit the window? You know, back in the frame frame days, right? Um, yeah, so it's it's been a bit tricky. But thing, and I've got a little bit of one of my picks is going to be talking about uh, a little thing I discovered in Xcode that I wasn't aware of, and I, most people haven't talked about yet, though. But uh, kind of handy, helpful for this this kind of stuff. Yeah, but this this is an interesting interesting good read.
2: Neat. Yeah, I haven't tried out your scenario, but looking at the the little note he has here about safe area. So yeah. the one thing I do like is that the safe area is what you're dealing. Dealing with by default, and then you have to go out of your way yes. to not to do the default. Yeah. Um, and it appears to me that adding a dot edges ignoring safe area with a parameter of dot all is probably what you would want just based yeah, on the this name, sounds but like I haven't we, tried that.
0: We had a, we had a, we, when we went from syst, uh, system six, when we went from iOS six to iOS seven, you remember they had that, that um, edge inset or edge offset or something like that, um, that we had to override or turn off when we were if we were laying up for both OSs or iOSs. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I think it's something related to that, right? Like it's honoring that that space that's you know, arbitrarily set there. Like in the in the diagram here, the first diagram where he's got the Hello World um, label in the middle of, the, and he's got the yellow boxes or frames to sort of show how the centering works. So you see what I mean? But like the the line across the bottom, which is where the the home area is, and then you've got the notch area at the top. So mm-hmm. I've been able to get the image to fill that entire rectangle, but not extend into the upper or lower parts, right? Yeah.
2: Even trying this edge is ignoring. Area. I
0: haven't tried that yet. No, no, I just, uh, and, yeah. and that'll that'll be interesting. And, and I'm kind of curious to we'll, we'll get when we get to my pick. You'll see. it. I mean, I'm kind of curious if that's if that's an option that, that I maybe missed or hadn't seen or didn't understand. But yeah, we'll oh, have to take this one for a drive. So, what else you got for us? The
2: next thing is from swift.org and it is the SSWG annual update. That is the Swift Server Work Group SSWG mm-hmm. talking about um, what's going on. So, a couple months ago, they wanted to define a whole bunch of these efforts. That that uh, would work for server-side Swift, including folks from Apple and Vapor and Swift, uh, sorry, uh, Ketura and other other groups. And they've been doing some you know interesting things. Like for example, we've talked about uh, Swift NIO or Swift Neo, as I've heard people call it, the uh, the non-blocking networking framework for uh, for high performance on uh, server-side Swift. Um, so that's a library that is uh, part of their incubation process, where they want to have like a really good set of core tools that people can and use uh, for example, um, logging, you're going to need logging. So Swift log as one of the other projects, uh, Swift metrics for keeping tabs on, you know, um, what's the performance like on these different requests as an example. So if you've ever used JMeter or any other sort of things in other uh, ecosystems where you want to put some instrumentation to see, you know, how are things performing? Maybe, you know, for alerting purposes or for, you know, performance tuning purposes. Um, they've also got uh, apparently Postgres Neo NIO that is the first database driver for Postgres that the SSWG has approved and uh, apparently builds on Swift Neo. So that's that's pretty nice. Uh, we've also got Stack, which is the way to connect to uh, Redis. The, I don't know how to describe Redis as other than like a caching mechanism. I know it can do more, but that's more or less what I've encountered it as. A, uh, async HTTP client out there. Question?
1: I was just going to say Redis is just a, it's a key value store database.
2: I know it can do more. Like I actually looked just to double check before. I was like, oh, I guess I can do some other stuff too, but key value value store cash, you know, highly performant cache is more or less what it does. Yeah. Uh, let's see, uh, APN, APN Swift. So for the Apple push notifications. And as we mentioned, since you're going to have to make this change anyways by uh, November of 2020, switching over to the HTTP2 uh, library, if you want to send uh, push notifications to, uh, to Apple's APNS service, um, maybe you'll give this a try. And then rounding things out, they've got uh, StatsD client and Prometheus, which from my understanding will work with the Swift metrics stuff to do more of like I think they're kind of more like adapters to get the metrics into different kinds of reporting mechanisms. Not my area of expertise, but that's that's more or less what I got out of it. Uh, also, they've, they've got some tooling updates, like uh, they're making uh, official Swift images available for Docker uh, for Swift 3, yeah, 4, sweet. and 5 on Ubuntu, and they're doing the slim images that required only what is required to actually run Swift, which is almost certainly what 99% of us out there actually want to do, as opposed to the one that lets you um, build and run Swift. Not something people don't to that. Just more people do the latter, I think. Uh, Swift backtrace, which will provide some uh, really critical crash backtracing for Swift programs on Linux. So that'll be pretty cool because certainly backtrace is one of those tools that I've used a lot in uh, in the debugger in Xcode. And apparently their focus areas for 2020, if you look at this, is like the, the review for 2019. More database drivers and storage clients, distributed tracing, connection pooling. Uh, something that's interesting to me, so open API support. You've talked about open API Swagger as the way to um, declare your uh, your APIs, and then you know, have the documentation and actual clients be able to be programmatically built for that declaration, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, it seems like it's going to be a pretty good year for them. Excited to see what they come up with.
0: Nice. Yes, well, cool. all right. Um, hmm. And you are up again. I mean.
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of a tech news day with related to uh, to GitHub. So GitHub Universe is their two-day two days. Yeah, two-day conference going on and uh, some major things came out of it so far. So the first one is that they're uh, extending their sponsor program so you can tip individual open source creators for their work. So it was in like early access invitation only. They've expanded it beyond that now. Um, Also, uh, really thing that uh, I think is pretty neat, and I actually signed up for and I'm using, um, GitHub has come out with a uh, betas for iOS and Android of a mobile app, a native mobile app for iOS and Android. So you can log in and manage all your GitHub repo stuff. And it's pretty cool because it, uh, as far as I can tell, it seems like it might be based on GitHub, or at the very least, the uh, developer involved in that, uh, friend of the show, Ryan Nystrom, formerly of Instagram, now over at GitHub uh, is working on that team, apparently. And uh, I also enjoy the fact that this uh, this client, this mobile client, supports dark mode by default, which is cool. That <laughs> gets an A-plus in my book. And also, um, it's pretty nice that it handles the SAML SSO option for um, authenticating to other organizations. Like, for example, my employer's organization. Right, I have my own personal GitHub account, and they have added me to their organization so I can do development on our private repositories. And it's really nice that I have access to do that on your phone on my phone so I can look at pull requests I can get um, apparently I can get push notifications but I just turned that on so I don't know if I will be turning that back off (laughs) kind of a (laughs) risk reward sort of situation if I want to get notified uh, through that means and I will say that it does give you the heebie-jeebies in terms of um, the authorization page kind of at least when I read it it is like this is basically giving this thing authorization to do just about anything that you could do yourself as, uh, logged in as yourself. Mm. So it seems really scary. And if it was a third party app, I probably wouldn't have accepted it, but because it is a first party app and I got the, uh, the warm fuzzies that I got emailed from GitHub's automatic system. like, Hey, FYI, uh, a first party OAuth application was given access to your account. I'm like, yep, that was me. That's obviously the right one. So that was pretty neat. I like it. I've never been super happy with the web, the, the web-based portal view of, um, of GitHub so I'm going to see if this uh, this changes my life in any meaningful way. At the very least, it's kind of a cool tool, toy to play with now.
0: Nice,
2: yeah. Yeah. And apparently they've also added like better notifications and and other stuff, you know, notification handling, because that can get sort of out of hand from GitHub. But I haven't seen that yet in in GitHub, so hopefully that will launch soon, because I currently am using a whole bunch of email filters and rules to sort of parse out, you know, which emails do I, or which notifications do I actually need to look at, which is, you know, apply to stuff that I'm interested in or to things that I'm working on versus Things are well. I happen to be part of that organization, and therefore I'm started getting spanned. So hopefully this will make things a little bit easier to manage in your your digital life. Working on uh, projects using GitHub. Oh, so I, dumb question. So this will only
0: work with Git repositories, or will it also work with Bitbucket repositories?
2: I believe it is only through GitHub. I didn't see anything that gave me any hints that you'd be able to connect it to arbitrary um, yeah, usage.
0: I have the GitHub app. I don't know. Oh, I can't remember if it, if it accesses the other other type of repo on the Mac. I mean,
2: oh right. Right, right. The GitHub desktop.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I haven't really used GitHub desktop. Um, and this one looks, this client for iOS looks like it's pretty specific to GitHub's flow. But I mean, well, if this it's is based on GitHub, though, like you were saying by Ryan, right? I don't know for certain that it is, but it looks a lot like it. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Ryan took a lot of the ideas that he had and, and said, hey, here's what we can do even better for V2 sort of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No inside knowledge, but I thought that was pretty notable that uh, they pointed it out in the. In the article, cool.
0: all right, more neat stuff, cool, all right? Well, I guess we probably brings us to picks part of the show, and you might as well go again. I mean, what the hell?
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> on a roll here. <laughs> so my pick here is Swiftly. Dev, which is put together by Eugene Belinsky, and uh, it's. A nifty little reference like a really quick reference that you might want to bookmark for uh, sort of reminding yourself how Swift 5.1 happens to work um, sure you could read the the official Swift docs I find them a little unwieldy if I'm looking for a very specific example of like all right I know that you know compact map does something in particular let me see exactly what that does okay cool I can click that and see an example or how to tuples tuples how do those work you can very quickly find those it's as far as I can tell it's not um, like it's going to cover every use case that you would see out of the official docs. It's really more of like a quick reference cheat sheet is how I sort of think of it, of like, you know, nil coalescing. How does that work? Or or, or ranges. What was it's that crazy if work? case
1: let syntax again?
2: Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure I've used if case let more than like twice. Yeah. I probably should use it more. Yeah, it's but,
1: actually very useful.
2: Yeah. And looking at the, uh, the example of like, you know, how you can see... Side by side, how that works with enums with associated values yep. or with the variable names. Pretty nice. I think it's well thought out. I don't know if this site supports dark mode. It is. It looks like a dark mode app to me, but I don't. I don't know. Do you guys have dark mode on by any chance? Yeah, I, uh, I don't. You don't, Mark. What color are on the screen for that uh, that link? Uh, it's just so like white. A dark grayish.
1: Not just uh, for which the background or the uh, the box. The, the background the and the text. The background is white. Mm-hmm. Uh, the text is mostly black. Uh, the oh. the Oh, really? Are you surprised by that? Well, I mean, it's, you know, the code is not. The code is color-coded.
2: Right. No, so I'm surprised, uh, but, but, but you know, happily surprised that apparently his, his website supports dark mode, because I do run dark mode. And for me, that happens to be um, sort of a dark gray, maybe almost black background hmm. for the main background of the color. Uh-huh. And the text is largely minty green. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, some yeah. of the text is green. Like the, the Swiftly title is green, but if case let, if case let can be used with... With, well, enums is green with associated values. That's all black.
2: Yeah, it ends up being minty green and white huh. for me. Uh-huh. So there you go. If you, if you haven't supported dark mode yet, you, you probably should. Even on your web pages, all the cool kids are doing it.
1: Oh yeah, I just changed it to dark mode. It switches right over.
2: So
0: I have a couple of picks here today. One, obviously I talked about a little bit earlier in the show and that's Adobe Fresco. And I don't know if I talked about Fresco on the show before, but I took it for a test drive this weekend. Um, I had, uh, watched a couple of videos that I saw on, um, on, uh, uh, Instagram actually, um, from Fresco and, uh, they had showcased, uh, an artist. And so she was talking about how she draws her things. And, um, so, um, so yeah, so I, uh, saw how this, this, uh, woman, she was talking about how she she starts off her drawing with, with pencil, and then she goes over top with inks and things, things like that. So I thought I would take the, the pencil for a test drive. Uh, I mean, the pencil brush on um, on Adobe uh, Fresco, but I also used my Apple pencil when I was doing this. And uh, so I posted an image up on Instagram and, and on Twitter, um, sort of a self portrait I did from a selfie I took on the weekend. And um, yeah, I spent like probably maybe half an hour, forty five minutes on it. And uh, it, I swear to God, it feels like I was working with a pencil, even though I, I'm for sure working on my iPad with Adobe Fresco and um, and the pencil, you know, using using the side of the pencil, using the pressure points and stuff like that, and changing to an eraser to get some of the white parts on the image uh, cleaned up, but um, yeah, from a, from a, like, you know, just amazing, amazing tactile feel uh, of this tool. Um, I got to try some of the other brushes and stuff like that. We interviewed Paul um, Webster on Roundabout about three, four weeks ago. Um, he's, he's a person who, he wrote, um, writes a lot of Photoshop brushes, and he was hired by Adobe to work on Fresco and it's it's done a really good job on this, uh, the team has done on, on Adobe Fresco and I'm sure Fresco probably the stuff they learned on Fresco probably lent uh, some of the way into what they've done with uh, with Photoshop on the iPad. So yeah, definitely if you're an illustrator and you're sitting on the fence, I mean like I said, it's a freemium app right now so you can take it for a spin and uh, I think you get all the tools out of the box so it, it works pretty well. Um, yeah, it's a great, great addition to the Adobe products on the store. So I've had it for a couple of months but I haven't really sort of taken it for a been until this weekend. But um, the other thing I want to talk about today, too, was that, um, as you know, I've been working in Catalina on my other Mac. I'm going to switch over to that one now. Maybe I'll do a screen sharing so you guys can see what I'm doing. But I discovered this cool little thing. Uh, how do I share my screen here? I'm uh, Can you? i just trying to see if you can see my screen. Let's see. I can see your again. screen. But the listeners yeah, but can't. Which, which <laughs> one are you looking at? Oh, oh I
1: see the a uh, a uh, Catalina backdrop. Island, yeah. Yeah. A, yeah. And in, the, up, in the menu bar, it says Zoom. Us meeting view edit window Andrew.
0: Okay, so what I, what I was going to sh- show you was was I've been using uh, I've been closing this this last pane over here um, when I've been working in Catalina and I've been working on you know various things and so let me just move this over a bit and you can see that um, if I it's funny because it is a bit buggy in terms of how this this uh, live preview thing works um, but what I discovered was really cool and, um, and that is this because you know how you can you can design in the um, in the live preview as well. waiting for it to render here. All right, yeah. so. so so this is this is sort of the login screen I was working on. And you see how the the I've got the box here at the top and bottom. So anyway, what I was I was playing around with with these this things like the the, the um, this username field and password field here. So but what I discovered is like if I click on the text field here, um, it's high it's it becomes highlighted and I'm working on. It. If I click on the password field, which is a secure field here, um, you know or if we click on the button so on and so forth. So I've been working away on this trying to figure out all these different property um, modifiers, right? So like you know you get your text field here. Um, you know, like for, for, if I want to have a text field, you have to have a state. So I have to create a state variable at the top here. And then, um, you know, I want to have padding or background color or whatever I want to have in here. So I've been working with this and trying to like, you know, look it up on the documentation and stuff like that. But what I discovered is if you open this last pane over here, which nobody talks about, and then I click on a text field, um, I get these property things, almost like, um, like the, the uh, it's the same, um, uh, screen that you have in the uh, attributes inspector from Interface builder and you can go in here now and so like for instance i can go and i can say well i don't want the background to be white i want the background to be gr- red and it will change the the background of this it'll take a minute to render there you go see that and if i and i can change it to whatever color i want so if i want white um, i can play with the corner radius by changing the number in this here to 10 or something like r- outrageous Oops. and wait a second for it to render so it's handy to, to be able to use these these things and what it does, it actually changes the code here in in the, the code view as well, right? So it's kind of handy like a visual editor to kind of see what's going on. Like I can see what my, my state variable is here, right? I can see the, the, the placeholder text that's in the text field. So it was handy when I was trying to figure out how to, you know, to lay this stuff out. Once I stumbled across this view I could see what, um, what you know, options I had available for like if I'm working on a button or something like that. So that's my pick this week is, is to talk about how um, you can go in and play around with these things. And if I I want to add a new modifier. This is what I was talking about with the edges before. Let's say if I want to click on that image... So I'm now, I've not got the image highlighted. This little add modifier thing at the bottom, if I can get it to pop up. Come on, baby. There you go. Yeah. It really pays to have a 16 gig or MacBook 16 with uh, lots of memory. So you see this big long scrolling thing here. These are all the attributes that you can apply to this particular item, like this image here, right? So let's see. What were we talking about? Edges or something?
1: Edges ignoring safe area. There it is.
0: This guy right here, right? Yep. If I su- choose that, and what was the property? All, right? All. Yeah. So I see how that's not. And maybe you have to get rid of this asset ratio, right? Comment that out. Let's look at your uh, yeah. There it is. Look at that. Yep. Wow, that was easy. But now, for those of you on the phone driving at home, my uh, the image now has has fit the uh, entire screen entire entire window. Let me just shrink this down a bit. There you go. So you can see it's fit the whole window, right? So it's cool. Like I mean, um, I had like I, I I don't think I ever maybe I should probably go back and watch one of the WWDC videos, but I don't think I've ever worked in in the you know six months I've been working with or five months that I've been working with with Swift UI. I've never had this this last pain. Open until the other day when I just and I just stumbled across it. I was working on this stuff, right there.
2: You go. Yeah, nice. it's actually kind of new to me, and I probably should rewatch some of those sessions because maybe they briefly showed it, but it, it wasn't front and center. And I I do like the fact that this goes a long way towards something I'd said before, which is that the whole canvas thing and the way it works with the texts in live updating, it, it just seems like it really fully realizes what what storyboards in Interface Builder in particular we're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm hoping that they'll have a storyboard equivalent for this to do more flows rather than the sort of the nib based sort of look and feel that they have here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah, you can see what I was, what I was trying to do. I was trying to replicate our login screen um, using SwiftUI. And yes, and again, it's like, you know, it's amazing that you can do it in this much code, right? You know, these few lines.
2: Yeah. I think the underrated thing from this uh, this little inspector panel that um, you've shown me and Mark is that it, it actually makes it kind of discoverable in a way that maybe the docs wouldn't make yeah, super yeah. Obvious, like what does this thing do? I don't know. Let me try it and see if it does anything.
0: Yeah, and like so, so you know, I've been I've been struggling. I mean, I've been playing around with you know trying to get like you know trying to make the buttons fit the, the view in a pleasing way. You know, because if you if you don't have any padding on these these uh, text fields, they go edge to edge, right? And depending on what what uh, like if the image behind it was set to uh, I think it was fill, um, they would extend off the screen, and it, it makes no sense, right? You know, you look at it, and even even as a non designer, you would go. What the, is that doing, right? And how do I make the button the same width as the text field? Because it's a different kind of object, right? And, and I'm sure if you look at it, it's not pixel perfect anyway. It looks to me, it looks like off by a, a nudge, right? Um, oh, it's, but it's yeah, probably, with it's probably this, because
1: you have both the image and the, the V stack inside a Z stack. So the so the Z so well, stack is being sized by the resizable yeah. of the image, so, and the, so the V stack goes to the edge of the Z stack.
0: Yeah. So yeah, and using that parent child model that Jaime was just talking about, exactly. Right, like like right. in order to get the image image to sit in order to get these text fields to sit on top of the image I had to put it in a v, in a z stack which is the three-dimensional front to back thing that Jaime was talking about or alignment right. I guess we'd call it back in the day right um so yeah in order so I had to put the I, I, I don't think it matters if I put the image before or after but because it's it's in the same stack as at the same level as the V stack right so the text fields are contained in in here as well right like you see I don't know if you can see the blue line that's around here now that I've got that selected yep yeah so which is handy right um but yeah so you can see that that all of this I'm it's collapsible. Oh, it is collapsible. Look at that. You can even collapse it like uh in like you do in in regular code. Well, it makes, makes sense because it's code. But yeah, so like yeah, you can see that the Z stack and the V stack are at the same level. That was my that was what I discovered just through poking around with things that I could get, you know, lay it to work the way, work the way I wanted it to. That's cool. Problem solved.
2: <laughs> it, it is a, a brave new world and I I do hope that there are some significant V2 changes for Swift UI in mm-hmm. 2020. Yeah. Um but it is is pretty neat to see where they're they're going with this and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it It sounds weird to say but I'm kind of excited to relearn how UI stuff works on iOS
0: yeah yeah but even I just clicked on the v stack here even, <laughs> even it has ability to have modifiers but what's weird about this add modifier thing is is it seems to be that everything's available on on each object right It comes up here
2: like even if it's not reasonable it's not filtering it down yeah, in any way let's
0: see. like I would I would expect yeah so yeah I every mean, corner radius like why would I have
2: corner radius on a vstack, right? Yeah, I, I forget how vstack works, but that might actually apply to everything that's within it. Oh, you think? I think vstack, well, but, as this guy talked about the article, whatever. But, uh,
1: but you wouldn't have something. Well, oh, stop scrolling so fast, Tim. <laughs> you sorry. wouldn't have uh, auto capitalization, for example, set on a vstack. Why and that's not? in your list.
2: I mean, maybe we want to auto capitalize the secure field that he has here in his example, you know? Yeah, <laughs> make it so you could never type in the right password because it auto capitalizes what you're typing. Yeah. I don't know, you're right. I, I, I'm being facetious here. I don't. I don't know that some of these make a whole lot of sense without understanding sort of the the, the order of operation that Swift UI yeah. interprets these things
1: yeah all right you wouldn't, is... you wouldn't have a navigation bar title on your on your V stack
2: right yeah true okay. yeah, sure, true. Yeah. Yeah. Sure.
0: <laughs> but it is handy to have like just about everything it would it would be it would be better if it was more contextual for sure right right but but it yeah scale to fit scale fill like these these are things that like as a designer who hasn't worked in you know Swift or even objective-c for the last you know 10 years they wouldn't know what they'd kind of go. Well, what does this one do? What does this one do? You know, but this they, they don't have to know the code to do this. Like you and you and I both know it's aspect ratio. What is it? aspect? out here somewhere. Why commented it out, right? Um, like they wouldn't necessarily need to know spe- specifically what this is. I haven't figured out how to kind of do colors yet because you know color you can do with RGB color and stuff like that. Um, I do have an example of it here? Yeah, like here's 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 a color with red right down here. Yeah. So so, um, so what 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 don't you know how to do? So well, I, I know how to do it, but I'm I don't know how to do it in this this picker mode right
1: oh oh, oh,
0: yeah so you have oh. background i've got custom but like yeah like like yeah so you, you and i both know like and i'm just playing around with the, the the different values here to try and get this, this green button to be the green i want right, right. i could go look it up and, and it's it's the same thing it's just, instead of but you know it'd be nice like, to
1: have the color wheel there that you could click on or something like that yeah like
0: you yeah. have an interest builder, and then have yeah. you know previously used colors like little swatches and stuff like that but yeah. right yeah so it's kind of cool i mean it's it sort of takes away a lot lot of the, the mystery, like, you know, because in the demos they did at the WWDC, you know, they were, they were going in here, they were going into this little attribute uh, object library here, and they were just dragging, you know, edit button. Oh, I want an edit button here, and just drag it in and drop it into the stack, right? Right. And then it just adds the code, there's the edit button right there, right? You know, and so you can barely see it here, but if I, you know, now I can go in with my, put my cursor here, and then go and add a modifier to it, right, and then just find one that makes sense, like, let's see. Oh, th- like, I even saw dark mode in here, too, like, there's a... The dark mode stuff. Yeah, but you can sort of play you know, button style, for instance. Or was it a button I put in? Yeah, a button. I can come in and change the, the the default button style or something else, right? So it's cool. You can change the text, you know. But that's an example of, of how how easy it is to come and try and find something here, right? Like this would be, yeah, that's neat, neat stuff. And That's my pick. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it for the week. So, hey, hi. if people want to get in touch with you, how would you do that?
2: I'm on Twitter as at devwithahair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you? Mark R at smapsoft.com. All right. And as I say
0: every week, my name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is the best way to get a hold of me.
3: And so until next
0: time, we'll say
3: bye-bye. bye Bye. 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 This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. This is Mike Van Ogmans, MTJC's favorite voiceover artist for some reason. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast's Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.
1: I even did the hand gesture there. Thank you. You're welcome. You have to film yourself oh, doing it, though. Sorry? You have to yeah. film yourself and put it on the website.
0: Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, by the way, Mark, do you have a pick? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I might right. next time, though, because I'm working on stuff now. But, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, wait till next time.
0: We had uh, we had a record breaking snowfall yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it hasn't snowed like this since the 30s. We had, like, oh, I want to give you some number, like 13 centimeters. <laughs> really? Yeah.
1: Wow, that's a lot. That's a, For this yeah. time of year, that's a lot. I mean, yeah, you get we more than for- that in, like, February, though, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Yeah, we would, yeah, I would expect a storm like that to come... Like, yeah later in the year, but yeah, not but not, not like, in November well, we normally don't get snow until I, I would say the fourteenth of November because I just remember somebody wrote that on a f- snow shovel up in when I lived up in on Sound hundred years ago, um, so that's always been my sort of the middle of Novembers before we have our real major snowstorm, but yeah we got we got pelted the other day, so wow,
1: well, global warming
0: yeah, global warming so Jaime, when are you going to get caught up on your your Sparkcast content <laughs> I
2: don't know so I was like well uh, Disney+, plus i'm going to wait at, at a minimum until All of the Mandalorian is complete.
0: Right. Okay. So I
2: can I can binge it in one six ninety nine purchase. Yeah. Um, it's funny.
0: It's funny. Yeah. We have the same. I have the same thing about Apple TV. In that you know I I could see why they want to dole it out one week at a time. But like HBO doesn't do that, right? Or no, I guess they did with with like Game of Thrones and stuff like that, right? They would show you one. And, and that's not true. Yeah, they're doing that with Silicon Valley now, right? they are not getting all the episodes at once.
2: Yeah. It's it's largely Netflix and sometimes Amazon, as far as I know, are the only ones who dump the entire season at once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm also waiting on Apple TV Plus a little bit for stuff to get you know a little bit closer to being done. You can just sort of maximize that that free year, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that might impact when I decide to buy the 16 inch MacBook Pro. Right,
0: right. Are oh, you not going to buy right away?
2: No, I think I want to. I know things will be busy with travel and other things. So I'm like, well, I'll need some time to set up my laptop, yeah. and um, I won't have as much time to watch Apple TV Plus. So mm. maybe I might do it in like January, mm. and that'll give time to like, oh no. Like, this thing breaks in half if you even look at it crosswise. <laughs> yeah, let all the other you know, people figure it out first. Yeah, yeah I got to at least wait until the oh my god, look at this huge news, you know, non-news comes out. Right, 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 right. At least so I can see, you know, how how big of a deal it is.
0: How about you, Mark? Uh about which one? Any any Mac? Have you got you, know, you have you're currently running, running a decent Mac, right?
1: Well, no, I've, I've I'm running at home I run my 2013 MacBook Pro mm-hmm. and you know, I've been in a market in the market sort of, or, well, I've been saying I need a new one for a while now, but but the truth is I don't really do anything that Taxing on my machine at home these days, Uh, so I don't know. It's sort of hard to justify right now, you know, just for reading email and recording podcasts. Um, (laughs) But um, I also, when I'm working at home now, I I tend to I tend to use a a monitor. I plug into a monitor, so I don't even have the laptop open. Oh yeah, yeah. And I rarely take my home laptop out of my house anymore because if I if I need if I leave the house, I take my iPad. I need to do something.
0: Right, Right, right. So
1: so it's sort of hard to justify. Getting another laptop at all? I'm I'm actually sort of thinking about getting just a Mac Mini and plugging it into my monitor.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because
1: yeah. pretty much for half the price, I can I can get something that does what I need it to do. Really.
0: So you don't sit on the couch and work on stuff or whatever.
1: Well, I do, but I but I have it sort of. But I have the the Bluetooth keyboard and the Bluetooth trackpad, mm-hmm. and and I kind of I can have the monitor like in front of me on the coffee table. I do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I can I can do that. I don't need. I don't
0: really need a laptop. Well, you know, you can also get like uh, AstroPad and and do the the remote thing with your iPad too, right? Like I, I tend yeah. to do that a lot. I I, tend, I I sit, you know, I'm sitting at a desk right now because I'm recording, but right after this show, I'll you know for the rest of the week I'll work on the couch. And and Carol's Mac, which you saw uh, earlier today, um, that one I, I usually leave it on the stand unless I want to do some coding because I'll I'll even leave remote into it, right? So I don't know. And then I've got I've got you know the, a couple of minis that I use as servers and stuff like that. And then Carol got a computer upstairs and yeah yeah it's it's uh but yeah i mean when i was running my own business and you know i'd go visit people i would I'd throw my, my mac into a, um, a backpack and go off to work yeah day, oh but,
1: absolutely yeah yeah i used to do the same know. thing yeah
0: but now that but now that i'm you know i've got an office mac you know i keep it in, in my locker at the office and you know um i have a, a pc here if i needed to look at code or whatever but i don't really don't really need to take my computer back and forth and why why bother right no,
1: I, I bring my work lap home laptop home with me do you yeah.
0: Yeah, but it, yeah, the thing is, I'm on public transit too. That's the other issue. I don't want to be lugging around a huh. laptop bag, and especially when you know often don't get a seat on the streetcar or whatever. Right. You know? Right. So, yeah, it's just it's just another extra thing to lug around. Yeah. Yep. Those days are gone. Yep. I've been a, I've been a nomad Mac user since the portables came out. Like the I think I had a 140 when they first came out. Mm-hmm. Powerbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that
1: was a long time ago. Yeah.
0: 1993, I think. Right. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I think I'm going to watch some Disney content. Yeah, all right. <laughs> get my money's worth or my, my trial worth. Yeah.
1: I'm driving my car up and I'm taking a few people with me. We're all tricking around cars.
0: Yeah, you'll probably be pooped.
1: Yeah, probably. But we'll see.
0: Well, let me see if I can get Ricky maybe on the, the sit-in. Ricky? I Ricky Who's we Ricky? met at the WWDC. Ricky? Which one was he? The guy with the long hair did all the research.
1: Oh, the guy who did the podcast with us.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he,
1: he was more prepared than we
2: usually are. <laughs> <laughs> Bring his professionalism to this podcast. <laughs>
1: Don't put that in the show. <laughs>
2: yeah. Or maybe I will. Who knows?
0: Okay.
3: All right. We'll talk to you guys uh, okay. later. Take care. Okay. Bye. See you later. Bye.